Welcome to The Talent Bubble, a podcast where HR, people ops, and talent acquisition professionals learn from their fellow colleagues in the trenches. We'll hear how they navigated their careers, learn about exciting projects they're working on, and discover the tools they use to get the job done. Learn more at thetalentbubble.com. I'm your host, Brian Mooney, co-founder of jobhoney.io. This episode of The Talent Bubble is brought to you by Reembi. Reembi is reimbursement reimagined. Most recruiters can share horror stories about how long it's taken their candidates to be reimbursed for interview expenses. Well, Reembi has solved that problem. With Reembi, candidates are reimbursed the same day their expenses are approved. And this is pretty amazing. Candidates can even receive their reimbursement via Venmo. Visit reembi.com now to see why companies like Wayfair, DoorDash, and Peloton are using Reembi to improve candidate experience and streamline recruiting operations. That's Reembi, R-E-I-M-B-I.com. Reembi is reimbursement reimagined. This episode is brought to you by M2 Partners. Whether you need to find your first VP of HR or transform an established department to meet changing needs, M2 Partners can help you secure the right people to create a dynamic corporate culture that motivates and supports employees to achieve. M2 Partners has one of the highest retention and promotion rates for its candidates in the region. Learn more at m2-partners.com. Christopher Dobbins very well may be the most interesting HR and TA person out there. He spent five years as an intelligence officer in the Air Force, but longed for a normal job in the corporate world. And like many of us, Chris was pulled into the recruitment world where he started working in recruiting operations at Twitter and Uber. Chris is currently the director of people strategy and planning at DoorDash. He's incredibly thoughtful and has gained tons of insights working on global recruiting operations. We talked for almost two hours, which led to tons of great insights and resources, so much so that I wanted to break this episode down into two separate episodes. First one, which you'll hear today, is about resources and his career path. So without further ado, here's part one with Chris Dobbins. My name is Chris Dobbins, and I am the director of recruiting operations and programs at DoorDash. And what that sort of entails is you know the sort of elevator pitch or the tldr is you know our team we enable recruiters to effectively do their job through process strategy and technology my first job was actually at our a, a local cinema in uh in dover delaware small town small state um it was actually a dollar movie uh, dollar movies and so i was the uh really is sort of a jack of all trades, but my primary role is a doorman, you know, so the, so the, so the person who comes in and sweeps up the popcorn after the, the film is over. That was my first job. And I actually, you know, I, I always think about that and I really, really love movies. And so for me, I got to see all the movies that I could, you know, possibly want, you know, in that span. And so that was like the perfect job. Absolutely loved it. That's cool. How, so how, do you remember how you learned about that job? through a friend actually you know similar to how the world works today networking um i had a, a friend in, in high school who uh who worked at the theater and um you know i got to learn more about that job you know through them and uh you know it was really that first that you know you know you were 16 i think that was our or 15 the legal age was, was 15. it's my first first application one and done 
um, <laughs> my friend brought me in and it was all she wrote. I feel like looking at your background, you made a choice to be in talent acquisition. There's a lot of things that you, you could have done. Why did you choose talent acquisition as a career? It's interesting you ask that. I, I feel, you know, looking back, I, I feel like it sort of chose me and, and not to sound sort of cheesy in that respect. It, re it really did. It, it, was, it was the opportunity that presented itself to me at that particular point. You know, I didn't know anything about talent acquisition or human resources. And it, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like came, came to me and, you know, to sort of like walk through that journey. And I was in the air force for, for five years and I was transitioning out and I was actually set to transition to the government um, sector and, and work for what's called the DIA, the defense intelligence agency, which to be honest, had always been sort of my path, right? You know, growing up, I always wanted to, to do counterterrorism. And so that was my goal. And to start that out, you know, I, I was going to be in the Air Force. I was going to be an intelligence officer for four years, transition to the CIA or the FBI, and then sort of like grow my career from there. And all of those things sort of like really, you know, fortunately for me, panned out. You know, I, I, I did ROTC in college at Penn State, commissioned into the Air Force as an intelligence officer, Ended up doing five years instead of four, um, and at that point in time, at the you know as I was about to separate, uh, I was set to work for the DIA. But then I had this sort of like realization at that point in time that I could try anything, and I and I think that that probably sort of goes back to your original question: is you know, it, it was it was that point where I was saying you know I I had this like aspiration of being an average civilian, um, and literally like working for a corporation where. I worked in the city, you know, I, I wore a suit, had a cup of joe in my hand and a newspaper and like walking to the office. Like that idea was really, really intriguing to me, especially growing up in a, in a small town in a small state. And so for me, I, I, I decided to, to move to San Francisco because I absolutely loved it. You know, I had the opportunity to visit SF at, at one point in time while I was in the Air Force and became completely enamored with it and never really thought I had the opportunity to work here because if you know the market that is the Bay Area, none of it really lends itself to defense or military. And so, you know, I kind of was just... Um, you know, going out on a limb here. I, I gave myself a, a finite period of time to try my hand at this sort of corporate world. And if it didn't work, then I would revert back to something I truly loved, which was, again, counterterrorism and intelligence. And so I actually, to sort of like rewind, I actually moved out to San Francisco in, in June of 2011, um, at the point in which I separated, and then just try to find a job. You know, I, I would take anything, to be quite honest. I knew that I wanted to be here in San Francisco and live in the city, and that was really my anchor. And then it became, you know, trying to find the right company, the right role for me. And that was actually a journey in and of itself, is, is making that transition. And I felt like it was much, much harder than, than most people sort of allude to, both on the military side in terms of you know, how to transition into the corporate world, but also now be on the corporate side and understanding, you know, how much we revere, you know, veterans. And I think like I had a, an experience contrary to that. It was really, really difficult for me to find um, opportunities. My experience had been so foreign to the market that it, it, it was just really tough to understand how I might translate that value to, you know, that particular company, that particular role. And so, yeah. I think, you know, similar to how I got my first job, 
you know, working at the local cinema, um, I had a friend who worked at Twitter at the time and he, you know, managed to put my, my resume in front of the, the hiring team, uh, which happened to be, you know, the talent acquisition team, talent acquisition team at, at Twitter. And, you know, they took a gamble on me. So yeah, they took a gamble on me and, um, and, and, you know, presented me with an opportunity. It was entry level at that point in time um, within the TA team. And I was more um, excited by working for Twitter as a company, to be quite honest, because um, that was very, very attractive to me. Yeah. And then that's sort of how I fell into talent acquisition. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that. What's something your team says that you personally do really well? Basically, what's your superpower? <laughs> I think what I've found, and this is objectively, it's, I think it's through like employee engagement surveys um, in terms of things that I've, I, I've been able to do well, I think is really autonomy. Autonomy, giving, giving my team the sense of empowerment to really own the things that are within their worlds. And it's something I believe in, like categorically, if I can do two things right as a leader, it is empowerment and transparency, empowerment and transparency and empowerment to me, the way that manifests itself in the workplace is, you know, you should never feel like you have to ask for permission to make decisions, right? You are the subject matter expert and you know exactly what needs to be done. However, you have an obligation to just inform your stakeholders inform your partners and peers as well as your manager on what those decisions are that you are making but that sense of empowerment is something i very very much believe in and i think that that sort of manifests itself in terms of autonomy and, and i think that you know I, i've been very glad uh to see that sort of like really resonate with the folks that i've worked with what what's the most interesting thing that you're working on at DoorDash currently yeah um and i think what I would define as interesting, you know, might be relative <laughs> or will definitely be relative um, to others. But I, I will say we are doing a lot of interesting things um, at DoorDash, particularly on the people team and, uh, and the talent acquisition team. Uh, me personally, what I find to be the most interesting is workforce planning. <laughs> and most people probably wouldn't say that. But I think workforce planning is actually a really interesting um, area, especially in this day and age where we're really trying to understand how to scale and grow a company. What does our workforce look like in terms of a location strategy, right? Um, and, you know, do we want to expand and create a much more distributed workforce? Um, and we're also at a very pivotal time where, you know, we've seen a lot of companies go through rifts and workforce restructures, mostly as a result of the pandemic. And that has only created a lot more awareness for us to be much more intentional about how we grow. Because again, you know, DoorDash is in a very fortunate position where, you know, activity and volume is increasing. And so the company, you know, needs to grow commiserate of that, you know, to a degree. And so for me, that's where um, I, I'm spending a lot of time is how do we be extremely mindful about growing such that we don't jeopardize or overlook operational efficiencies, right? And we don't just simply hire to hire. You know, I think most companies tend to correlate revenue growth which, with headcount growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that generally makes sense, right? But you need to make sure that you have a level of rigor where operational efficiency is never overlooked and that you get you know, maximum um, value out of 
you know, the very capable humans that are within your, within your walls, so to speak. And so for me, it's an interesting challenge, especially at this point in time, which is workforce planning. It's, it's trying to find the right people with the right skills and put them in the right place at the right time. Uh, I'd love to know uh, a little bit more about how you create a structure to ensure that consistency in the hiring process. Yeah, I think um, structure in the hiring process, I think it does span well beyond structured interviews, which most people can identify with. I think the core of a structured hiring process, I think really is in the roots of a competency-based hiring strategy, which also isn't a novel nor a new idea, a competency-based hiring strategy. However, I think it, that is really the foundation because it, it starts at the very top of the funnel, which is you know, as you start to assess talent and understand what are you know, great profiles, you know, for the role in which I'm hiring for, you should be indexing on those competencies objectively, right? Skills and competencies are objective. We, we don't, we try not to invest in things like pedigree, right? Pre previous company or school, right? And, but rather index on those competencies and at all parts of the hiring process. And, and I, I think that that allows us to really maintain a sense of objectivity when we think about hiring at DoorDash. And so that starts at the top. When you're trying to search for the right talent, it's how you then screen and assess for that talent, right? Which is completely measuring somebody against a competency, competency in, which you're, in which you're assigned, which when you double click into that, you know, there's certainly opportunities for, for more structure in terms of the questions in which you ask. And then how do you actually measure the responses to those questions? But for me, it really all comes down to the foundation of a competency-based recruiting strategy, which threads throughout the entire hiring process. I want to talk to you a little bit about frameworks that maybe you learned uh, in the Air Force. Anything mm -hmm. that you recall or any type of framework that you used in the Air Force that you see uh, yourself applying to uh, your, your work in, in recruiting? Yeah, um, you know, and I'm not sure if this is unique to the Air Force or to the military, but I certainly discovered this, you know, in the Air Force because it was my first career, which is anytime you're faced with a problem or a challenge, the most complex or the most complex problem, there's never one solution to any one complex problem. There's only the most viable solution and that the most viable is the one that you should strive to, to achieve. For me, that has really resonated and, and stuck with me. You know, problems and challenges exist in our lives, you know, personally, and they exist in multiple facets professionally, irrespective of what industry you're in. And so um, that's one of the things that, that really resonated with me that I think really sticks, which is with any one complex problem, there's no one solution. It's always about trying to find the most viable solution. And for me as an intelligence officer, that was, you know, that, that really, really um, resonated with, with myself and my peers. What products out there have kind of impressed you in, in this space? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think that, you know, there's no shortage of products in talent acquisition. <laughs> um, I, I feel like it's a very um, dense market. And actually, you know what, if, if I may, I actually want to like, 
tap into that a little bit. And I think that the reason I've, I've thought about this for a while, and I think that the reason why the, the market for talent acquisition solutions is so dense is because at least within my own industry being tech, you often find, right, these tech companies are in hyper growth phase, which by definition is you're growing double year over year. And engineers are often deeply invested into the hiring process. So they're interviewing a ton of candidates as well as you continue to scale these companies. And what that does is if you've, you know, if you've met and if you had the opportunity to work with the engineers, they love solving problems. And in my own experiences, the minute you, like you start to really unlock some of the gaps and some of the challenges in the hiring process um, that usually sort of sits with technology. And it's always the engineers who are saying, you know what, I can make this better, you know, or I can build something to sort of like close that gap. And next thing you know, that they're building something internally that's proprietary. And then they sort of want to expand that beyond. And next thing you know, there's this new enterprise product or solution that, you know, these two engineers from Google created or these two engineers from Twitter created. Um, and I like, that's my own hypothesis. And I think like, I, I feel like that's sort of been validated as I sort of like meet all these different, you know, founders for these talent acquisition solutions that, you know, that's sort of how they came about, you know, and, and founded their company. But that's, that's a, that's a separate discussion. When I think about TA products, the one that, that really in, intrigues me the most are the ones that actually truly index on the candidate experience. And I'll sort of expound upon that a bit, which is there's one tool called Harvard that had the experience and the opportunity to, to, to sort of like learn more about, particularly at, at my time at Uber. And one of the things, and really what they solve is creating this experience for the candidate that truly gives an illustration of what it's like to do the job at this company, right? And I don't think we do a great job of that um, in general, right? Oftentimes when we think about talent acquisition, it, it, it's, it's oftentimes think, thought of as like a one-way street, right? Which is how can, how can you as a candidate add value to us, you know, as, as a company? And oftentimes through that hiring process, it's very much sort of understanding you know, what this candidate brings, what, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, and, and how might that sort of like fold into the company. And we don't index on what it's like to do the job. And Harvard does a really great job at that, where they take you through this experience at the forefront, particularly at the candidate application stage, and they take you through this experience, which is like, this is exactly what you would be doing in this function. Um, and I think it works well for, for certain roles, um, to be fair. It doesn't work well for, for all roles, but you know, where we experience a lot of challenges is a, a lot of attrition and, for example, our support organization, right? Where it's very repeatable tasks, high volume work. And you, know, you can experience a heavy amount of churn just because you know, the work is, is not sort of what the candidate expected. And so there's decreased levels of engagement. And next thing you know, you know that, that new hire then churns out within 12 months because they didn't know what they're getting themselves into. And I think Harvard does a really exceptional job at that, where it really brings that experience to the forefront. So you know that the, the candidates that make it through that process are, are truly opting in to what that experience might look like whenever they come through the doors. And so that's one that 
that has excited me and it's it's an area that I, I continue to sort of be interested in and how do we sort of get better at that across all facets of our hiring. Can you actually just kind of run down like the tools that you that you use at DoorDash? Yeah. In terms of an applicant tracking system, Greenhouse is our um, technology slash solution. Um, it's one that we, we feel works really well for us at our, at our stage. And that really is the core of our um, recruiting tech stack. Uh, on top of that, um, in, in terms of uh, top of funnel, we've invested recently into Gem, which um, is an emerging product in the space. And I know that it has a lot of traction um, at the moment, and it really is serving great value for us, uh, particularly in terms of candidate engagement and, and maximizing our reach. Um, so we feel really good about that investment. Um, LinkedIn Recruiter, of course, is a staple within TA teams. And then beyond that, uh, we've been really excited um, about Jumpstart, which is on the university recruiting side. I think when we think about um, you know, investing in early career talent and developing our, our, our university recruiting strategy, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of effective solutions on that side of the house. Um, but we've felt really good about Jumpstart and leveraging that in a way where we can, you know, effectively attract and manage and nurture early career talent. And then beyond that, you know, we've, we've invested into other tools on top of our systems to, to create more efficiencies in our workflows. Things like Mixmax to help power communications um, and calendaring. We've recently invested in um, in Good Time, so we're still in the implementation phase of Good Time, which is a candidate interview scheduling tool. Um, and then, in addition to to sourcing efforts, we've also invested in VSource, which has been a longstanding um, sourcing solution in the space. And you know, they have several product offerings that companies can can tap into, um, whether it's lead generation or creating a slash supporting a, a platform where we can manage source candidates. But VSource is one that we've also invested in that we feel really good about. And those are really the core core solutions that we have in our tech stack. It's, yeah, I've seen a lot of traction around Gemma. I think it's really interesting you guys are using Mixmax because I know that's typically uh, like marketing mm -hmm. and sales, right? Exactly. Um, which I think is awesome that you're kind of looking at a platform like that and kind of bringing it into uh, talent acquisition. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's something to be said about that because I think, you know, we've had Mixmax longer than we had Gem. And so there, there are some overlap in terms of functionality, but we mm. still feel like Mixmax, to your point, it has um, some niche product offerings that can keep us fast. Um, and so whether that's sequencing communications, you know, deeper into the hiring funnel, or if it's things like calendaring, you know, and so there, there's definitely some value add that we have there, but, it, but it's one that you're, you're right. It's a bit non-standard. Are there any books or resources or podcasts that, that you learn from that you would recommend things that maybe have influenced you or, or you find to be super helpful? Yeah. Um, you know, there's been, you know, an immense amount of resources and podcasts and, and, and books that I've, you know, invested in professionally. And in full transparency, like I'm, I'm not a big reader. Like I don't, I don't tend to read uh, in my personal time, but I, I do a lot of listening. And so, especially like with, with podcasts, TED Talks, I absolutely love TED Talks. Um, and then audiobooks, um, because I, 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 again, I, I, it's hard for me to sort of like sit still 
And I think um, audiobooks and podcasts um, allow me to sort of like multitask and, and, and while also being productive. Um, but that being said, I think, you know, recently um, I read um, a great book called Multipliers, which is by Liz Wiseman. And that one has been, I think, really valuable for me. And, you know, especially moving into very lean organizations where, you know, resources are, aren't abundant, but challenges are equally complex. Um, and so multipliers has been really valuable for me and really understanding how to maximize the potential of those around you to achieve the objectives, you know, that are, that are before you. And so I, I would, I would certainly urge, um, that as, um, you know, a, a resource or a book that can be valuable, I think to most anybody really. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Talent Bubble. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. If you want to help the show, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Thank you so much and be well.